0: It's four o'clock and time for the Calvary Live Show, taking your calls and questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, here taking your calls and texts today on the air. Welcome to those of you listening on Grace FM here in Colorado as well as those on the East Coast listening on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. Also a big welcome to all those who listen online uh, all over the country and even around the world. I have been uh, talking to some people in different places out in California and even in Europe who tell me that they listen to this show online. So welcome to you wherever you are listening from. This is the uh, program where you get to call in with your questions from your Bible reading, uh, anything that's come up that you're unsure about, you'd like to uh, ask a pastor about that, or maybe there's a something going on in your life that you'd like pastoral advice on, or, or just you'd like that prayer request shared, because right now we have so many people listening all over the place, and uh, so many people who can agree together in prayer in Jesus' name and lift that prayer request up, that's a powerful thing. The number to call with those questions or prayer requests is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. You can also text us your questions and uh, prayer requests at 720-336-0897. So that's 720-336-0897. We've got free lines right now, so it's a great time to call in with your questions and prayer requests. A little bit about myself. I am the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is a Calvary Chapel-affiliated church in Longmont, Colorado. We meet in the St. Vrain Memorial Building. For those familiar with Longmont or Northern Colorado, we meet in downtown Longmont. And um, so we invite you to come and visit us if you're in the Longmont area, whether you're in the Carbon Valley, Frederick Firestone, DeCono area, or maybe you're in Berthed or in Boulder. We're really close to those places. so. We'd welcome you to come and check us out. Our church's name is Whitefields, and you can check us out online at whitefieldschurch.com. We also have a radio program that airs here on Grace FM every weekday at 2.30. It's called Life in the Field, 2.30 p.m. We have a broadcast of some of our sermons, as well as on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We also have the Life in the Field broadcast here on Grace FM, so you can listen to us anytime, uh, any of those days. We have a call on line one. Let's go ahead and just take that right away. Paul in Aurora has a question about Adam and Eve. Yes. Hi, Paul. Hi, how are you? Great. Welcome to the program.
1: Thank you. I um I just had a question. My dad brought up the other day that um
2: the serpent in Adam and Eve for the snake. And yes. He was asking a question that he wasn't sure whether that was Satan or not because God had came back and said that he... For the rest of his days, he'd be calling on his belly, and and he said, and my dad said, well, he comes in different forms. Why? then that couldn't be that couldn't be Satan, or he could have been sent there by Satan. So I wanted to know what your thoughts were on that.
0: Yeah, you know what's funny is I actually answered the same question on Friday. We had a, a caller really? from Johnstown, um, and which is which is interesting because I actually wrote down a few notes, and I have those notes in front of me. So. That works out perfectly, I can't, Perfect. I'd can. i be happy to answer that question for you. Yeah, so Thank the you. other caller uh, phrased it this way. He said that, you know, Adam and Eve, very similar to your question, Adam and Eve were deceived by a serpent, and it's always been taught that the serpent was Satan, but the text never actually says that it was Satan. It actually only says it was a serpent. And so how do we know that that was Satan, or how do we know it wasn't some sort of demon, or did Satan inhabit that snake? And then if he did, then why are all snakes cursed to uh you know, move on their bellies rather than with legs. Mm. Now, I don't know the answer to that. I I don't know if uh, they had, you know, if serpents had legs before that happened. I, I wasn't there. I guess that's one of those things that I'll ask God about when I do get there. Uh, right. But I can tell you this. The, the book of Genesis doesn't actually mention the name or the title of Satan or, or even Lucifer or any demonic being controlling that serpent in the Garden of Eden. But the reason that we know that was Satan is because we can cross-reference it with different verses from the Bible, which actually tell us, uh, you, you know, you can deduce very clearly that, that this was Satan. Here are a few Bible verses for you. In Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 13, Ezekiel is talking about Lucifer. Um, and which is Satan's name, which means morning star, or it actually comes from the word light, you know, Lucifer. And so uh, obviously that was Satan's name when he was an angel as a created being before he was cast out of heaven. And it mm-hmm. says that he was in Eden. So in Ezekiel 28, verse 13, it says that um, Lucifer was in Eden, the garden of God. So that's how we know that Satan was there. Mm-hmm. And, Secondly, uh, the book of Reve- in the book of Revelation, yes. three times Satan is called the serpent. Uh, I'll give you those references. Revelation 12, verse 9, Revelation 12, verse 15, and Revelation 20, verse 2. <clears throat> uh, in Revelation 12, verse 9, it's, Satan is called the serpent of old and it says that he was punished and we can deduce that you know cast out would be a punishment he was punished and that he presently deceives the whole world okay another okay. verse that we can reference here is second corinthians chapter 11 verse 3 where paul says that eve was beguiled by the serpent and then he says that we should be careful lest our minds be corrupted from the simplicity that's in christ which kind of the correlation there is that satan is presently deceiving the whole world is what revelation 12 tells us and then paul says we should be careful lest we be deceived by the same being that eve was deceived by so that there's a correlation there that this was satan um again in genesis 3 3 there's also this understanding that we can get that the serpent was satan and we get that from the context and i'll explain that in So the verse, a very famous verse, you know, is it 315, I believe? It says, The Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed. And he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So Christians have always understood this to be the very first prophecy about the Messiah. They call it the Proto-Evangelion, which means the first gospel. And uh, the idea is that... um, Satan bruised Jesus' heel, so to speak, and that he struck him down and and killed him. He led people, he motivated people to crucify him. But that was really only a temporary wound um, because Jesus rose from the dead, of course. But by that very act through which Satan thought he had defeated Jesus, that was the very act through which Jesus destroyed the power of Satan. And his resurrection was proof of that victory. So, does that answer your question?
2: Yes, it does.
1: Okay, I'm glad.
2: We were, yeah, we were going back and forth about it yesterday,
1: and I was like, well, you know what? I'll, I think I'll call up and find out for sure, because I'm not, I am not—I wasn't too sure myself.
0: Awesome. So thank you, I'm so thank glad you for that you did. That. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for calling in. God bless you. God bless you. Have a good day. All right, Thanks. bye-bye. All right, this is Calvary Live. The number to call with your Bible questions and prayer requests is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. The number to text with your calls and, or your questions and prayer requests is 720-336-0897. My name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and I'm here with you taking your calls and questions today. We've got two free lines, so it's a great time to call in if you'd like to do so. But right now, let's go to Jennifer in Greeley. Jennifer in Greeley. Hi, how are you?
1: Hi Nick. Um thanks for taking my call. Um my question is, um, I have two teenagers that I'm needing to purchase Bibles for. Okay. Um, and I was wondering what would be the best translation, um, easy for them to understand but still um be a good translation. I have a new King's James and they they can't really understand it.
0: Oh really? They think it's it's a little too um uh, it's a little feels distant to them, feels foreign?
1: Yes.
0: Okay, well, you know what? There are a lot of good translations out there. Here on Grace FM, they use one translation. That is the New King James Version. At my church in Longmont, I preach from the English Standard Version. That's the version that we use. Um, But, you know, a good translation for for young people that's just real understandable English is um, you could go with the New Living Translation. That would probably be the easiest one. Uh, okay. You could also go with the new international version. Okay. You know, if, if your goal is to have them uh, understand it and be able to comprehend it, I think those are the two that I could recommend. You know, the hesitance that some people would have with those translations, I'll just tell you because I'm sure that there are some of our callers who would say, oh, you know, but are you sure you want to recommend those translations? Here's... Here's what I would say to anybody who has questions about that is that, you know, there are different, uh, different translations that approach translating the Bible in different ways. So you could think about, uh, you know, when you speak a different language, for example, you can translate word for word or you can translate the idea. And as you move, there's kind of you could think of it as a spectrum. There's kind of a scale where you're moving from very literal word by word translation which is always going to be very faithful to the original. And so on that end of the spectrum, you're going to have the New King James Version. You're going to have the English Standard Version, the New American Standard Bible. And then you move more towards the middle where it's kind of a combination of both. That's where you're going to find your NIV and and also your New Living Translation. But as you move more towards the idea of where they're translating idea by idea, then mm-hmm. you're going to have uh, more like the New Living Translation. So my preference on that scale for your kids would probably be the New International Version if they're not having an easy time reading the New King James.
1: Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for your help.
0: Yeah, you bet. God Bye. bless you. Thanks for calling in. Bye. You. Bye. Bye-bye. This is Calvary Live, the show where you get to call in with your prayer requests and your Bible questions. My name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, here on on the air with you today, taking your calls and texts. The number to call in is 303-690-3000, that's 303-690-3000, and the number to text is 720-336-0897. You know, usually on Mondays, uh, Pastor Nate Morris hosts this show. He's the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Belmar, which is in Lakewood, Colorado. And uh, Pastor Nate is down in Tucson today, so he asked me to fill in for him. And so I'm happy to be doing that. Uh, We've got three free lines right now, and uh, you can also text us your questions. And um, let's see, we got a text message that just came in asking me if I have heard of a book called The Great Controversy. And uh, this person says that they got the ma- this book in the mail. Uh, they didn't order it, but they got it in the mail, and they started reading it. They just wanted to make sure that this was good, solid doctrine or not. Sorry, I'm not familiar with this book, but I'm going to go ahead and look it up as I'm talking to you right now. The Great Controversy. I would generally be kind of suspect of any book that shows up in your postbox without you actually ordering it. But uh, let's go ahead and look this up. The Great Controversy. Great Controversy by Ellen G. White. Okay, so I can tell you right off hand. What I know is that Ellen G. White is the founder of the Seventh-day Adventist movement. It's interesting, you know, I, w- I hosted the show on Friday and we had a lot of very similar calls. We had a call about Seventh-day Adventists and we had a call about Bible translation and we had a call about, um, about Satan and uh, Satan being the serpent. So it was all very similar things. So, okay, The Great Controversy is a book by Ellen G. White. I have not read this book, but I do know a few things about Ellen G. White. She's the founder of, as I said, the Seventh-day Adventist movement. I had a call on Friday asking me, if Seventh-day Adventists should be considered a cult. And my answer was, you know, how about we just remove the uh, label, because I, I think labels can sometimes be very helpful, but sometimes not. So let's remove the label of, and, uh, and just say, what do Seventh-day Adventists believe that is unique? And, and really what it came down to is that Ellen G. White, the founder of the Seventh-day Adventists, taught that uh, worshiping on Sunday as many Christians do, is not good. That it is uh, going against the commandment of the Ten Commandments to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. And that she even went so far as to say, not only is it bad to worship God on Sundays, but it's actually the mark of the beast that's mentioned in Revelation. And she even went so far as to say, those who have who do worship on Sunday have taken the mark of the beast and she called into question whether or not they could be saved. Now I think there's some diversity amongst Seventh-day Adventists as to that question of can people be saved if they worship on Sundays? Some, you know, more extreme people would say, no they can't. Others would say, yes they can, but it's just not as good. The answer to know about that as far as that question of the Sabbath is that we come to uh, in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, we have outlined for us that Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that the Old Testament law and prophets and ceremonial worship system talked about. It all pointed to Jesus, and it is all fulfilled in Jesus and by Jesus. And in Hebrews chapter 4, the author says that there is a Sabbath rest available for all those who come to Jesus. In other words, what he's saying is that Jesus is the fulfillment of Of the Sabbath rest, which means that we are not justified uh, or made right with God by worshiping on Saturday or Sunday or really any day for that matter. Paul says in Colossians don't let anybody judge you by days of the week or new moon festivals or these specifics about how and when you worship because we have this amazing freedom in Christ because He is the fulfillment of everything that the Old Testament law and Old Testament sacrificial ceremonial system required. And we find the fulfillment of those things by coming to Jesus. So I hope that answers your question. Personally, if it was me, I wouldn't read the book. And I would be suspect of any book that comes in the mail without you ordering it. Um, But I would uh, encourage you to pray about it and read about it. Um, I, I think there's a whole lot of other really great books out there. That you could order for yourself and read from from authors who would would really be lifting up Jesus and making much of him. So that would be my recommendation for you. Thank you for your text message. This is Calvary Live, the show where we have pastors online taking your calls and texts, Bible questions, whether it's uh, questions about things like our last caller, about uh, certain books and doctrines, uh, whether you have a prayer request that you would like prayed for on the air. We'd love to do that for you. The number to call is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. We've got two open lines right now. It's a great time to call. And the text number is 720-336-0897. My name is Pastor Nick Cady. I am the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. You can check us out at whitefieldschurch.com. Let's go ahead and go to line one where we've got Mary in Aurora with a question. Hi, Mary. Hey,
1: Pastor Nick, how are
0: you? I'm doing great. How are you?
1: Good. We, um, I have a question. What do Jewish people believe, or where do they believe they go after they die?
0: Yeah, so the, you know, that is a great question. The question uh, for our listeners, just I'll repeat it, is what do Jewish people believe happens to them when they die? You know, there is a very wide diversity amongst Jews uh Jewish people um even religious Jews about this topic <clears throat> so i'll tell you they they traditionally believe in a place called sheol which is the the dwelling place of the dead and you see this reflected a lot in the old testament where they would talk about um they would talk about, even if I go to Sheol, you know, Psalm 139, the writer says, even if I go to Sheol, you will be there. And so the idea being that they had this concept of going to the place of the dead. But there there are a lot of Old Testament verses which allude to the idea that those who die righteously, and that really is the key that we need to, to explain and understand what does the word righteous mean and that is a lot of what Paul deals with in the New Testament that the righteous will go to heaven that the righteous you know they don't use the word heaven in the same sense that we do as Christians but they they use this idea of dying and going to be with God and so uh there is a concept of heaven in the Old Testament which is then further developed in the New Testament so for Jewish people to be faithful to their own beliefs, you know, there's some really great examples. Um, like one of my favorites is in Job where he talks about how um, he will see his redeemer and he will see him when he lives. I'm going to actually look that up for you because I want to read it to you. It's a beautiful verse. Maybe you're familiar with this. It's one where he says, I know that my redeemer lives. So I hope that answers your question. So for a lot of Jewish people though, um uh, who, you know, because it's not completely clear to them, uh, there have been some Jewish people over the years who said that they don't really believe in heaven. They just believe that when you die, you just are dead, and that's kind of the end of it. Um, but I think that if you really look at the Old Testament and to be really faithful to uh, to what it teaches, you have to see that there is a difference between uh, just dying and going back to the earth and going to the dwelling place of the dead and um, and dying and going and being with God. Here is what uh, Job chapter 19 says. He says, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. After my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Job being the oldest book of the Bible, chronologically it was probably written before Moses wrote the books that he wrote. And so here in the oldest book of the Bible, we have this amazing statement about uh, Job's belief about here's what's going to happen when I die. I'm going to see God. I'm going to see my Redeemer in my flesh. My skin will be destroyed, but I will have a new body is really what he's saying, which... Which completely correlates with the Christian teachings that we have in First Corinthians 15 and in uh, Revelation. You know, he says, I will see him with my own eyes. Not, it will be me who will see him, not anyone else. And my heart yearns for this. What, he, what he's describing is heaven. He's describing new heavens, new earth. He's describing the promise of the gospel. And that is a, a, an amazing verse to show to a Jewish person who might say, you know, what well, Jewish people don't actually believe in heaven. Um, yeah. Jewish people should believe in heaven. Whether they do or not is another question. They should believe in heaven based on their own Old Testament scriptures.
1: There you go. Though. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I will say one more thing. I can even say it after you're online if you if you need to hang up. But uh, there's a very interesting verse that I, a very interesting section that I would recommend for you to consider and read up on. Maybe you already have, but it's in the Gospel of Luke chapter 15 and Jesus describes what happens to a man who has uh died. Do you remember this story? I do. Yeah. And so it, it describes something and it's really interesting for us. I think a lot of Christians haven't uh considered it as far as, you know, what happens, how does it work with um with people when they die and Jesus how how does it all work? People who die in the Lord and apart from the Lord. What about Jewish people who died? It's actually in Luke chapter 16. It's the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And kind mm-hmm. of I'll just kind of paraphrase it. But here's the story. It says that a poor man died and he was carried away by angels to Abraham's side. Or it's also called in some translations, Abraham's bosom. And then a rich man also died and he ended up in Hades. Uh, which was a place, it says there, of torment. And he lifted up his eyes, and he could see Abraham afar off and Lazarus at his side. So you could put it this way. In Sheol, which is the dwelling place of the dead, we see that there are two areas separated by a great chasm which cannot be crossed, which is actually something that's said there in the text because the man says, come over here and help me, I'm in anguish in this flame, in Hades. And uh, they say, sorry, there's a great chasm that cannot be crossed. And, um, And so what we see is that these people are both dead and they somehow are able to see each other and communicate. They're in the same area, but yet there's a great separation between them. On the one side, there's comfort. These people are in Abraham's bosom. On the other side, there is torment. And if we want to reconcile all of this with how it fits with how we understand heaven, we go down to Revelation, where we see that at the very end Satan is judged, and it says that hell and Hades is emptied into the lake of fire, and so that is uh, the ultimate, you know, end of Hades, the Hades side of Sheol, the dwelling place of the dead, and the other side we know that Jesus goes there and he releases the captives. He talks about that in one of the later New Testament. Uh, Letters And so the idea of releasing the captives, what did he do? Well, he essentially, it seems, went down to Sheol, the dwelling place of the dead, to those who were in the Abraham's bosom side of Sheol, and he released them and brought them into the presence of the Father.
3: Mm.
4: All right, lots to think about. I'm going to look those up again.
0: Great. Thank you for your call. God bless you.
1: Thank you. All
0: right. Bye-bye. This is Calvary Live. The number to call is 303-690-3000. And you can also text us your questions and prayer requests at 720-336-0897. My name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. You can check us out at whitefieldschurch.com. We've got a few other calls before we go to our break in just a few minutes. Let's go to line two, Eve in Denver. Hi, Eve. Hi, how are you?
3: I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. So I was just calling in because um, I have had a, you know, I I have a history of child abuse, and I have been praying um, about some of the political corruption and allegations in our our political system um, involving accusations of of child abuse at high levels. Mm -hmm. And the way that that sort of thing gets covered up has been really... Uh, triggering for me, and I've been trying to pray on, like Thy Kingdom come, Thy will be done, and just know that the truth always prevails, and that God will help. Um, you know, any any victims that may be being harmed in this way, but it's been difficult for me to uh, maintain day to day, and I was wondering if you have any insight on um, ways to remain positive in in uh, praying. Uh, about something that's so heavy, you know, and, and trying to let go while still doing my due diligence to, to pray on it.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a great thing and a, and a big thing for you to call in and share that and to ask about it. Um, You know, first of all, I'm sorry that those things happened to you in the past. I'm sorry that those things happen to anybody nowadays. And, and we must know that God does not accept that. He doesn't like it at all. And um, the first thing I would tell you is uh, we've got two minutes and we're going to go to our break. If we don't, if we don't get through this all uh, before the break, I'm going to ask you to hang out and stay on after the break too. Sure. I'll start, start by reading to you from Second Timothy chapter 1, where we have this amazing verse which says that God has given us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And I think that idea of that spirit of power and a spirit of love that he gives us this amazing ability not to lose heart, but to have this spirit of love and power and self-control. One of the reasons why as Christians we don't lose heart in the in the sight of, you know, great, terrible evil like you're describing and, and wrong things is because we do believe in the justice of God. And one of the things I've been teaching through the law of Moses in Exodus chapters uh, 19 through 24, these last couple of weeks at my church in Longmont. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just taught a message yesterday on this topic of justice because I was teaching through chapter 23 and 24. And it is really interesting. You know, I had originally kind of planned on skimming through the law of Moses and going through it very quickly because, I, you know, as Christians, we're no longer under the law, but we're under Grace, but as I went through this, I saw that the law isn't opposed to grace if you understand it correctly, and in fact, the law is the basis for uh, for answering questions like yours. Frankly, for example, it talks about um, those who are mistreated, who are fatherless, those who are mistreated, who are down and out, and that God will hear their cries and He will bring justice for them. I'm going to continue. To answer your question if you don't mind hanging out after the break we're going to go to a break right now for two minutes this is calvary live i'm pastor nick katie and we'll be back just after this
1: welcome back to calvary live call us with your questions about
2: life the bible and living in jesus right now at 303-690-3000
0: Hi, and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Welcome to those of you listening here in Colorado, <clears throat> as well as those of you listening on the East Coast on Hope FM, and to those of you listening online, wherever you are around the world. Uh, the, numbers to call are, or the number to call is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. You can also text us your Bible questions, prayer requests, at 720-336-0897. Right before the break, we were talking to Eve in Denver, who had a question. And let's go ahead and go back to Eve. Hi, Eve, are you still there?
3: I sure am. Thank you.
0: Thank you for hanging out over the break. Eve, your question was about how can we put our mind at ease in the world we live in, especially uh, with the terrible things that go on, whether it's corruption or whether it's abuse. Uh, Sometimes it just seems to weigh so heavily on us. Here's uh, I wanted to share with you a few things. So I was telling you about the law of Moses. And here's here's one of the texts that we read. This is from Exodus chapter 22. And it Mm -hmm. says this, "You, you shall not wrong a sojourner. But then it goes on to say, you shall not mistreat any widow or a fatherless child. If you mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry. And he says, and my wrath will burn and I will kill you with the sword. here's the deal. A lot of people read something like that and they say, wow, that sounds like such an angry God. You know, like, wow, I'm not sure I like that God. I really like the God of love. But here's the fact he's he's saying to those who oppress those who abuse. He's saying there will be justice. You know, you might get away with it. You know, that's that's essentially what happens with corruption is that people get away with things and justice doesn't happen. And God says, hey, you might get away with it but I will bring justice. There will be, And that is really so important for us uh, who experience bad things to understand that, first of all, there will may. be justice, but secondly, that God is going to be the one who will bring the justice. Go ahead.
3: May I, may I ask you a, another question? Sure. I know that this sounds kind of strange, but some of uh, my abuse in childhood was a little ritualistic in nature and involved you know, some uh, satanic aspects. And for a long time growing up, I struggled with uh, wondering if, you know, there was going to be punishment for me uh, or if my soul was damaged from that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I I was told that God is forgiving and that if he repents, he will forgive you. Um, Do you have any thoughts about that?
0: Well, I think that whoever told you that was absolutely right. And you should, as much as you can... Uh, embrace that truth and ask God to let it really sink down into your heart and and not just be true in your mind, but really sink down into your heart and take root in your heart because that's absolutely right. And I will tell you this, here's how the Bible would characterize a person who suffers abuse. They would characterize that person as the victim of the abuse. And God is not going to to hold that, you know, as you as a recipient of abuse, God is not going to punish you and and furthermore any damage that did happen to your soul as a result of that and I'm sure it did have some damage on your soul. Um you know when you come to the Lord he makes you a new creation and he's able to absolutely heal and restore that which has been hurt and wounded and destroyed. And so I would encourage you to take heart in that. And and here's another scripture I want to share with you on this topic. It says in Romans chapter 12 verse 19 the apostle says Beloved ones, never avenge yourselves, meaning never seek revenge, but leave it to the wrath of God, for he has written, vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. He goes on to say, to the contrary, our job now is, if our enemy is hungry to feed him, if he's thirsty, give him something to drink and and bless them. And here's, here's why. He says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Here's the thing is that if we get caught up in what has been done to us and we let it stew like you're kind of t- like you're kind of describing how do we not let that happen he says he says if we let that happen mm-hmm. um we will be overcome by that evil it it will actually wreck us but he says no don't let yourself be overcome by it don't be overcome by thoughts of i how do i get back at this person will there be justice he says yes there will be justice god will provide the justice but you worry about overcoming evil with good and that is a radical thing to think about that we could pray for and bless those who have abused and hurt us but the reason we can be free to do it and really it is about freedom because when you're not doing it you can um you know if you don't uh, forgive if you don't move on from those things and you let them continue to control your life they will they will overcome you that's what he says don't be overcome by evil they it's you'll be locked in this prison Mm -hmm. in which, and that's the sad thing about it. And and so he says, but you can actually not be locked in that prison. And here's how by trusting that God will take care of justice, that there will be justice, that by forgiving that person, you're not just letting them off the hook and and saying that what they did was fine, but that God saw it. And he hears the cries of, of the, those who cry out to him and he will bring about justice and and thank finally you. yeah and finally the last thing i would say is that you know some people would say well what if that person becomes a christian and then god forgives them and then there won't ever be justice you know they, <laughs> the answer to that question is this that there there was justice because jesus took those things upon himself on the cross and uh and and thank god he did because as much as we want justice We also want to be recipients of mercy and the reason we can be recipients of mercy is because of God's grace that he showed in Jesus. So would you allow me to pray for you? Yes, please. Thank you. Okay. Lord, I pray for Eve, our sister here and, and along with her, I I thank you for her heart, for those who are weaker in society, those who have been also not just weaker, but those who have been taken advantage of and those who have been abused, mistreated. We pray for those who have been victims of corruption and, and Lord, we, we, are troubled by the corruption that we see, whether it's in government or whether it's in uh, different areas of life. Lord, we we thank you that we can rest in knowing that we're not just giving these things a pass, but Lord, you have dealt with them and you will deal with them justly and fully. Thank you that you dealt with our sin in Jesus. And so, Lord, may we rest in that and may we rest in the knowledge of who you are. And, and rest in your justice. I pray for Eve that, Lord, you let the knowledge of that sink deep into her heart and you do a great, profound work of healing in her life. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Thank oh, thanks you. so
0: much for calling in, Eve. God bless you. You too. All right, bye-bye. All right. This is Calvary Live. I'm Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Uh, you can check us out at whitefieldschurch.com. The number to call with your Calls and texts is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, that's the call-in number, and the text number for, uh, again, questions, prayer requests is 720-336-0897. We have a one free line uh, right now, so you can call in, but right now we do have another caller on line one. Let's go to Roger in Lakewood. Hi, Roger, are you there?
2: Yes. How are you, Pastor? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Thank you. What's going on? My question is, uh, my wife and I, we are going through a separation right now, and non-seldom communication between the two of us. But my question is, um, we both go to the same church. We have two kids. And they both are involved in the kids' ministry program that the church offers. And she told me to find a different church to go to. Mm -hmm. And I have my kids every other weekend, and I don't know if I did that, they would be going to two different churches. Mm -hmm. And I'm just confused on what to do or how to handle it.
0: Yeah, that's tough. I mean— I'll tell you this. On, on the one hand, I, I get where you're going with the kids and you're, you're wanting to have some stability in their lives, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you they probably have friends and stuff at church. I mean, you, I think you have a few options here. Uh, uh, I see two options that I think are, are both very good options. I think option number one is that you take your kids to um, you take your kids and you drop them off at their their church where you've been going together. And you let them attend. And uh, during that time, either you go attend church somewhere else or you attend maybe a a different service time that works better for you. Um, Maybe a midweek service, something like that somewhere so that you're in fellowship and you're under uh, pastoral ministry. Uh, I think the other option is that you choose a church. Uh, I got a message from the station manager that when you were describing your situation, you mentioned that maybe you've been going to some various churches
2: um no i've been i've been going to just a different church i've been going to one okay. for for seven years and i've just at for a while when i don't attend the church i usually go to i usually go to a different church so it's only two different churches that i okay. go to got it
0: okay so i think that's your other option is if that church and hopefully they have a good children's ministry program then you know your kids have you been able to have the conversation with your kids do they know what's going on
2: Um, yes, I have explained it to them and they want to, they don't want to go to two different churches. Yeah.
0: Well, okay. So I would say pray about that. Option A is you drop the kids off and, uh, you pick them up from church afterwards. Um, and I know that might be awkward and, you know, especially depending on the size of your church, you know, maybe you would risk seeing some people and it being awkward. But if that's something to do for the sake of the kids, I think that that might be something to consider. The other thing is... And
2: I, and I believe, and I think it is, the awkwardness, I think, that um, I don't know who there knows the situation that my wife and I are in, but it mm-hmm. does feel awkward that we don't speak to each other even at church. We don't even say hi and hello to each other, because that's like when it's, my, when it's time for the kids to go back home with mom that's i go to church and go to service then after church they go home with mom and i go on my way then the next weekend i, I go to the other church and the following weekend is my that i mean that's the pattern that how it goes but there is an awkwardness there there is
0: yeah i i know i think that awkwardness is a little bit inherent i'm, I'm sure it's not ideal but i think it's a little bit inherent to your situation the other I, I would I would say, you know, the other option is that you just take the kids with you when that when it's your weekend, you take the kids to the church that you go to. But from talking to you, I, I would encourage you to try and keep the kids at the same church, especially if the goal of your separation is ultimately reconciliation, which is what I believe that biblically it should be. Um, no, of course, I don't know all the details of your situation, and, and maybe the radio is not the right place to share all that. But I would ask you one other question: Is have you guys talked with uh, the pastor or pastoral staff at the church where you were attending before? Do
2: they know about your situation? They have. We've went, We've gone through marriage counseling with with the pastor there, and it seemed to me it was back in um, last year that we went, and it helped to a, to a certain degree, and it just—now it's not. I mean, she wants a divorce. She, she wants nothing to do with me. She just wants to move on, and she doesn't want nothing to do with me no more.
0: Okay. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, here's here's the last thing I would say. With that awkwardness that exists uh, in your church, I think that that is hard, You know, nobody wants to feel awkward at church. They don't want to feel like, um, you know, people see what's going on, especially when it's something, you know, personal like that. But I would say that there is is a huge benefit to having the pastoral staff know what's going on, and there's a huge benefit to having people in the church. Maybe it doesn't need to be everybody, and, and hopefully, you know, that's not the case, but There is a benefit to having some of the people in the church know what's going on so that they can pray for you and they can support your family and and be there for you during this time. And they can support your kids and they can make it not weird for your kids when your kids show up.
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Because it was weird yesterday. It was because we went to church to service yesterday and one of the BAM members came up when we were greeting each other. And this that he walked up to me and he was like, hey, Roger, how are you? Um, Where's your but where's your other half at? Where's your better half at? And she was sitting three chairs down from me, and I'm like, "She's over there," you know. And obviously, she seen me do that. and She just questioned. She was like, "When so and so asked you where your better half was, why did you point over here to me and say she's over there?" And I'm like, "Well, what else am I supposed to say?" Right. Yeah, that's very awkward.
0: Well, I would encourage you uh, keep the kids uh, in mind when they do this. Sounds like they, I'm happy to hear that your kids still want to go to church. That's awesome. You know, so yeah, I would encourage I them in that, and I would encourage them to make friends and hear the teaching and the children's ministry and everything. So, as much as you can, try and keep your kids in the church, and um, and I'm going to be praying for reconciliation. In fact, let's just do that right now, and let's pray for your marriage. Let's pray for you and your wife and your kids. Heavenly Father, we lift Roger up to you. We pray for his kids. Thank you, Lord, that his kids want to go to church. That's so cool. And I pray that, Lord, at church, they would receive just great Bible teaching, that it would be gospel-centered, that it would turn their hearts not towards moralism and being and focus on being good kids, but that it would turn their hearts toward understanding Jesus and what Jesus did for them. And I pray for roger himself lord that you'd help him give him courage to deal with the potentially awkward situations for the sake of his family and for the sake of his kids and for the sake of his marriage i also pray for roger's wife lord whatever's gone on between them Lord, i pray that there would be reconciliation i pray that there would be healing i pray that if there's sin involved on either side lord there would be an end to that sin there would be a repentance a turning away from sin and turning to jesus And, Lord, I pray that truly you would do a work of healing and restoration. We know that, Lord, you can do that. That's your business. You're in the business of resurrection. And so we pray, Lord, you'd breathe new life and resurrection into this marriage and into this family for your glory and for their benefit. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Great. Roger, thank you for calling in. And uh, I'm going to encourage all of our listeners to continue praying for Roger. And let's see a miracle in this marriage. Amen. Amen. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thanks. Okay, this is Calvary Live, the show where you can call in with your prayer requests and your Bible questions. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. My name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, you can check us out at whitefieldschurch.com, dot com or you can come visit us. We meet at the Frame Memorial Building in downtown Longmont every Sunday at ten AM and we'd love for you to come check us out if you are in the Longmont, Boulder, Northern Colorado area. We have a caller online too. Let's go ahead and go to her. This is Nicole in Aurora. Hi, Nicole. Hi. How are you? Um doing I just today? have a
4: quick question for you. I have a yeah. family member who um They've been together for 10 years. They have two kids. Um, They never got married. Uh, They're engaged. And I would say, I think my brother has some foundational Christian belief, but they're not actually, like, living as believers. She's a Unitarian. But now they're at a point in their relationship where they're talking about ending the relationship. And so what I'm wondering is, you know, I'm trying to walk through them with this. Ultimately, you know, my heart is that they come to know the Lord um, through all this, or somehow. But what I'm wondering is, how do I counsel them um in a godly way you know do i encourage them to fight for their relationship even though it's not founded in christ um and kind of the opposite she's pretty um anti-christian you know any opportunity to bring like no bibles on the shelves things like that have been an issue for them um or do do i encourage them i i don't know that's why i'm wondering what's what's the godly way to counsel them through this even though they're not believers
0: yeah, that's a great question. Difficult one. Definitely needs some wisdom there. Uh, let me uh, work through a couple of thoughts with you. One of them is that it sounds to me if they've got a couple kids and they've been together for a few years, I would mm-hmm. guess that they're probably common-law married. Is that the yeah. case?
4: Yeah, okay. I think so. Uh huh.
0: So then what we are talking about here is even though they haven't uh, ever gotten married, they actually mm-hmm. Made those about- are married in the eyes of the state. And I would say based on Romans chapter thirteen, if you're if you're married in the eyes of the state, then God honors that. So okay. so I, I would deal with them as a married couple, first of all. Okay. Um mm-hmm. and then that brings into question, okay, what do you do with a married couple like this? Uh, you know, first Corinthians seven talks about, you know, if you're a believer and your spouse wants to leave you, uh, assumedly because you are living a Christian life and your spouse is not then mm-hmm. you should let your spouse go um and then you should continue living a christian life now this is a different situation obviously because mm-hmm. it sounds like neither of them live in a christian life right here's the thing if i there are times in life like this where uh, there are these major turning points and god uses these things to kind of wake people up and mm-hmm. if this is the time when your brother is in a place where he's like open and willing to listen because of this big change that's going on in in this kind of Mm -hmm. crisis, I would really encourage you to use this as a time for, um, for him to, for you to, to call him back to his Christian faith that he had at least Mm -hmm. at some point in his life. I would, Mm -hmm. I would really encourage you to do that. Um, I think, you know, the other thing is I think people are, are pretty, you know, let's, let's give him credit. He knows that you're a Christian and Mm -hmm. she knows that you're a Christian, any advice you give them is obviously going to come from that perspective. So there's no reason to pretend that it's not coming from there. I would just tell them as a Christian, be like, look, you know that this is, uh, I'm biased and I'm a Christian, but hey, Christians are super good at marriage because God invented marriage. So, you know, and we have a whole book that tells us a lot of good stuff about marriage. And so here's, here's what, here's what Christians would say. Here's here's what the Bible would say about your right. situation, about marriage and, you know, the foundation for having a successful God, a successful marriage. Let's just put it that way. I believe is, right. is for them to begin by turning their hearts to Jesus and, and mm-hmm. receiving the gospel. And if yeah. that's only him who does that, well then good. Start with that, you know? And that's going to be such a huge benefit for the kids and for him. If, and if she decides to leave in the end, at least he will have his faith, and he's going to be such a better father and a yeah. Yeah, and person for you. So
4: here's one end. more thing. I think it's him that's ready to leave.
0: Oh, okay. I
4: don't well, know if that the, changes anything, but I think he's to the point where he's like, I've sacrificed so much for this relationship, and, it's, and I'm realizing it's to no avail. Like, I can't make her happy. Yeah. I don't know, you know what I mean? But that's why I was like, well, and knowing where where this is headed, you know, I certainly don't want to encourage anyone's marriage to, or anyone to, you know, divorce, yeah. but at the same time, I was feeling the same way you are, like, wonder if this is a turning point that would free him to be able to seek God's will without yeah. constant opposition. Totally. So I thought, Wait, I don't well, know. Okay, well, and I'll okay, continue to so, pray with him and for them. Yeah, about let's, that, let's pray for him
0: together here on the air. But here's the one other thing that I would recommend. There's a great book about marriage, which is written uh, in a way that it's really written for people who are kind of like it's definitely from a Christian perspective. And the guy is mm-hmm. a pastor. He's unabashedly Christian, but he writes it in a way that a person who's not a Christian could read it and it okay. speaks to them where they're at. And that book is called The Meaning of Marriage. And it's by Timothy okay. Keller. And okay. check it out. is it's, uh, it's an excellent book. I've used it for. I've done some pastoral counseling for couples who weren't really Christian, and mm-hmm. or who who maybe they had some Christian beliefs, but they weren't actively walking as Christians. And I use that book, and it's excellent. It speaks in a way they understand. Cool. So let's go ahead and pray for your brother, and I'll let you go. Thank you, so, Lord. We pray for Nicole's brother and his uh, wife. It seems, and her. Their, their kids together lord we just ask that your will would be done in this so you give nicole wisdom and lord that you give her the opportunity to share with her brother and we do pray that you bring him to that point where he's willing to let this be a turning point in his life where he is turning to jesus so we pray all these things in jesus name amen amen
3: thank you
0: right. god bless you nicole thanks for calling in you too right. bye bye This is Calvary Live. I'm Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont. The number to call is 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We've got uh, only a few minutes left in the show. Let's go to line one, where we've got a prayer request from Denver. Hi, are you with us? Hi. Yes. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, we can. You're on the air.
1: Okay, thank you, Pastor Nick. Um, it's a quick prayer request about a very long-standing, deep, dark, horrifically bad issue. I have an extraordinarily contentious mother. She was described as evil by someone who would know when I was a kid. I was kind of sent away from her. Um, I've had trouble, like, staying in one place geographically since then. My brother literally is a pilot. Um, I think it's called fight or flight. I don't know. So my mother's still alive. I've gone to many churches. I've tried to pray for her, but uh, the hatred i get from her when I'm on the phone with her the condemnation the never good enough the blaming and the scapegoating that she does it's almost a constant and I hate it and i i want to reach i try to reach out to her with love from a pure place i pray and she's just so mean and so toxic so and i'm I have my own struggles i mean I really need to get like a kind of stable home base somewhere um so that's what i'm calling you about okay Let's healing
0: for your healing remember. on both of you. Absolutely. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, we pray for our dear sister on the air right now, and we we pray for her mother. Lord, you know all the things that have gone in the past. And and Lord, I just want to, as we pray, we remember, Lord, that you took all of these things upon yourself on the cross, all of the sources of this pain, all the sources of this hurt, all of the things that have gone on in the past. And Lord, you set us free from those things because of what you did. And so I want to pray for our sister and her mother. I pray, Lord, that you would let there be healing, let there be forgiveness, let there be restoration, and that you would do that work in their Mm -hmm. hearts. And Mm -hmm. I pray specifically for our caller, Lord, that you would just give her Mm an overwhelming sense of love for her mother and that she would be able to respond to her in just such a loving way that she is, as we read the verse earlier, that she overcomes evil with good. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thank you. Yes, I I reach out to her with love, I do. It's just that it seems never, ever reciprocated. It's very difficult to deal with.
0: I imagine. Wow. Okay, well, thank you for calling in and uh, continue to remember you in my prayers.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: Okay, all right, bye-bye. This is Calvary Live. I'm Pastor Nick Cady of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont. I'm on the air with you today taking your calls and texts. Uh, We've only got time for one or two more, and we've got so many texts that have come in. I want to address one from Devin in Pinewood Springs, Colorado. Devin asked, in light of our question earlier, why is it that Satan got kicked out of heaven? We're going to have to do this one pretty quick. Devin, here's the answer to you. Uh, Satan's fall from heaven is described in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, and then in Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 12 through 18. And what we can get from those two verses, what we can kind of put them all together, is that Satan was one of the angels. Now, we know from Job chapter 38 that angels were created before the earth was created. Okay, so uh, at some point uh, during that time, he was created, and here's what it says. Uh, I'm going to read to you Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. This is God, and he's actually speaking in this section specifically to the kings of Babylon and Tyre, but they are, through that, he's referring to the spiritual power, which is motivating, moving those kings, which is Satan. Here's what he says. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, or O Lucifer, son of the Day star being Lucifer, uh, meaning source of light. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You who said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God and I will set my throne on high and I will sit on the mount of assembly. And, and so here's the answer. Satan was cast down from heaven because he tried to dethrone God. He tried to make himself God. He tried to make himself equal or greater than God. And there's a huge lesson in there for us. And that is that pride comes before the fall. It was the result of Satan's fall. And we should never seek to put ourselves above God. We should always seek to submit to God. Thanks for your question, Devin. You have been listening to Calvary Live. Uh, This is Pastor Nick Cady of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I've enjoyed taking your calls and answering your questions. God bless you.